0: Welcome to Blaine, Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at ten o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to start now in Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes nine eleven. So it says, "Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not." Uh, To the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There is a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good." "'Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. "'So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. "'A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, "'but a fool's heart to the left. "'Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, "'and he says says to everyone that he is a fool. "'If the anger of the ruler rises against you, "'do not leave your place, "'for calmness will lay great offenses to rest.'" There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. Who quarries stones is hurt by them, and who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, and for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and whe- when your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. All right, we can welcome Shannon now. (laughs) Thank you. All
1: right. I'd like to ask because I haven't had the privilege of meeting a lot of you. If on the count of three, you would each say your name. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Tyler. Ooh. <laughs> it sounded cool and it felt cool. I don't know if I caught it all, but I look forward to meeting you guys uh, as we walk out community together. But I was raised mostly in Squim, Washington, out on the peninsula. I did have an awesome, adventurous childhood in Fairbanks, Alaska before that, but mostly it was out in Squim. And I have kind of missionary missionary calling from a young age, and so I've done a fair amount of missions and traveling abroad um, since about 18. So uh, the last 15 years of my life, honestly, when I started to receive that chaplaincy call uh, last fall, I felt like the Lord knew me better than I knew myself. And I looked back over those 15 years and I felt like it's it's chaplaincy without the name. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I'm gonna dive in here. Um, I wanted to say a prayer and a blessing over this time. Lord God, I thank you for your presence and we thank you for your word. Lord, we wanna sit under your word today. We ask that you would continue to be the main event, that you're the main person in the room, Lord. Thank you for your your word to us today, Lord. I ask that you to open our ears and let each one hear straight from you, Lord, what word you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ecclesiastes, this interesting book, um, I I want to just said it as a little mini intro um, in the wisdom literature. Has anybody heard of the wisdom literature of Hebrew, or like the Hebrew Old Testament? Um, Has anybody ever heard of the Bible Project, by the way? Bible project videos? There is an awesome, if you haven't checked out the Wisdom series, uh, it would be really great for framing uh, the series we've been going through. But it, it says that Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the book of Job are three of the classic wisdom books. And they really all are answering the question, what kind of a world are we living in? And what does it mean to live well in this world? And they each have a different Observation and view of the world that they present and they each can be I love the way they do it They say they're kind of personified as portraits of people and proverbs is lady wisdom this young bright teacher who's very optimistic and and uh, says that God is just and fair and wise and he's ordered his world with justice and fairness and equity and wisdom So the righteous are rewarded and the wicked are punished and if you build your life with wisdom, you will have success. If you build your life with foolishness, you'll tear down your own house, and it won't turn out well. Very cause and effect, very clear. Ecclesiastes comes in, and he's like this middle-aged critic who says, I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's that simplistic. I don't think life is that fair always, and I don't think it's that predictable. And he has this other view that speaks to... It's not that the Proverbs view is, is wrong or incorrect. It's that it's not only that way. And so he speaks to the lack of equity and these other elements. And then Job is this old weathered man who kind of speaks, uh, wrestling with the question, is God truly just and wise in the way he ordered the world, especially with the suffering of the innocent? Is he truly wise and just and fair? And he has... An answer or well, not an answer he has a, a perspective and a view of this so I just think those are r- it's really valuable to kind of set that in it and as we see with Ecclesiastes um, it kind of I don't know if you've caught this over the weeks but it kind of either shoves you straight into the gospel or straight into eternity <laughs> what do we do with this content you know um, but I also was thinking about you know that that intro chasing the wind um, Even though it can be a difficult thing to hear, if the truth was that trying to take control of your life and chase after these things expecting to make them manifest, if that truly was like chasing after the wind, wouldn't you want to know it? It's kind of like saying, shock me now, not later. Do we really want to wake up at the pearly gates and have this utter shock of how we spent our time on earth shock me now tell me now give me the hard truths now let me ponder them pondering a funeral is more useful, or like being at a funeral is more useful with how it'll make you contemplate life than a birth that's one of Ecclesiastes things like shock me now let me contemplate this now so um, diving in uh, to this passage honestly the end of chapter 9 really frames 10 very well which is why we really needed to start there so I want to start with um, chapter 9 verse 11 and it says again I saw that under the sun the race is not always to the swift (laughs) he's gone to this critic battle doesn't always go to the strong bread doesn't go to the wise Rich is not to the intelligent, favor not with those with knowledge. Time and chance happen to them all. That's the phrase we're gonna look at, time and chance happen to them all. Things don't turn out as you would expect. With time, he's talking about God has built into this age, set times and seasons, and you can't opt out of that. You can't opt out of the morning and the evening You can't opt out of the fact that time is always running forward. We will never have this minute, right now, ever again. And you can't change that. Also, no one knows what will happen in the next minute of his life. No one can control when calamity will suddenly fall upon you or if something good might suddenly fall upon you, or when you might bump into someone unexpected. You can't control that, what happens in the next hour or the next year of your life. Your life could radically change in one day, in one hour, in one month. Also set times and seasons thinking about, it takes nine months to make a baby. You can't opt out of that. I'll take the two-month version, please. It doesn't work. You can't control it. (laughs) And it's kind of like that Ecclesia, uh, chapter three, famous passage. For everything, there is a season and a time. and For every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. So the next one, time and chance happen to them all. He's kind of responding to this uh, very clear cause and effect uh, view of the world that Proverbs uh, sets up. And he's saying, there's a glitch in that system. There's there's thing called chance. And he, that's what he calls it, random. It's It's that you can't predict or control the outcome. It might not turn out. The race should go to the swift. That's predictable. Oh, it didn't happen. (laughs) That's what he's saying. And it's not that God is not sovereign. I think sometimes we can hear the word chance and go, oh no, what about the sovereignty of God? It's okay. It's not shaken. He built the random and the chance feeling or uh, the element of that. He built that into our age. God, in his sovereignty, built an element of what feels and uh, seems like random chance. Do you know why that's good, actually? What would it be like if men could control their world entirely instead of being thwarted by this random chance? Ugh, fate. Fate would have it, you know? Oh, man, thank you, God, for your sovereignty, for bringing a little random chance in here. I think also it would be a little bit boring to have it being very predictable Mm -hmm. happen to them all time and chance happen to them all it's uh imposes upon them it it befalls them time and chance death inescapable it's imposed upon you and in verse 12 the next one man does not know his time like fish in a net birds in a snare children of man are no different they're snared in an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them Man does not know his time. We're gonna look at that, kind of the, man does not know his time, and we're caught in an evil time. So he's saying, we're really, no, we don't have any more power than a, a fish that's caught in a net, <laughs> or a bird that's in a snare. We are no better able to guard against something befalling us as they are it really reminds us of our finite limited power there is something greater there are greater forces at work and ecclesiastes 311 has this beautiful verse he makes all things beautiful in its time and he also has put eternity in our hearts So here we are in this set finite time and season. We might have 70, 80 years of life, 90 if you really got that good (laughs) longevity in your blood. Uh, But so we're here in this finite time, but we have eternity in our hearts. We can perceive this thing called eternity. They all wanted to find the fountain of youth, live forever. We can perceive this thing. Yet it says, except that no one can find out the What is the work of God from the beginning to the end? We don't have the length of days in our lifespan or the capacity to search out the unsearchable riches of his judgment. We don't have the capacity. We don't have that ability because there's a mystery built into this age. There are hidden things. And until it's all unrolled, we won't see the full beauty of the way God has ordered it. So, no one really knows his time. I think it, on some level, is like under heaven, man, apart from true relationship with God, we cannot discern our time well. We don't have that fully on our own, apart from relationship with God. And then this next line the sons of man are snared in an evil time. I felt the Lord hover over that one specifically. What defines an evil time? And that's really, as he goes into chapter 10, that's what he's talking about. So uh, you know that, he starts laying out several examples. When he starts saying, I've seen this example of wisdom under the sun, it's really great. There's this little city with a few men in it, and this great king besieged it, set up siege works against it. And in the city there was a poor wise man, and by his wisdom he delivered that city, yet no one remembered the poor man. I say wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of fools. In the evil time, what is remembered, what ought to be remembered is forgotten. It slips in that direction. In the evil time of the age that we live in, what, is re- what should be remembered is forgotten. That's, it's on that slippery slope. In the evil time, what should be honored is despised. It slips in that direction. In the evil time, wisdom is whispered, and folly is shouted. That is our age to a T. Wisdom is whispered, folly is shouted, and broadcasted and published. That is the evil of our time. In the evil of our time, Chapter 10, verse five through seven says this well. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, an error as it were proceeding from the rulers. Folly is set in the high places and rich in the low. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground. In the evil of our age, folly is exalted and promoted and voted in above wisdom in the minutes of our days not just in the political arena but folly is promoted above wisdom that is our day it's kind of like i think it echoes from john where he says men loved the darkness rather than the light but if anybody does see that light <laughs> um, in chapter 10 verse 8 and 9 the idea of he who digs a pit will fall into it a s- Uh, He who breaks through a wall, a serpent bites him. He who who quarries stones can be hurt by them. He who splits logs can be endangered by them. Even good plans that could be used for your your income and your economic success can go awry. That's the evil of our day. You can't fully guard against calamity befalling you. And in uh, chapter 9, verse 18, sorry to dash back, but in the evil of our time, one sinner can destroy much good. I think this is a good one, again, to think about. In Joshua 7, you have the one man, Achan, who held back the plunder for himself and buried it under his tent. And then Israel, the armies of Israel go out to fight against Ai and they're immediately fully defeated. And they seek out, why? Why were we fully defeated after the success of Jericho? One man's sin destroyed the victory of them all. There's several verses that point to this, and I find them very helpful myself. Um, The Holy Spirit uses them with me. One is there's two places in the New Testament where Paul uses the picture of a a little bit of yeast leavens, the whole lump, right? One is Corinthians, and it's about sexual immorality in the church, He's saying sexual immorality defiles the church just a little, a little bit of unrepentant sexual immorality defiles the church like a little bit of yeast infecting the whole lump. And then in in Galatians, he's saying, just a little bit of false teaching, unrepentant, defiles the whole church, like a little leaven in the lump. Song of Solomon says, little foxes destroy the vineyard. Just just one little fox. And uh, in Hebrews, one root of bitterness can defile many. That's interesting. I think these things kind of point to, in Romans 5, Paul talks about death reigned through Adam. We're in the age where death reigned through Adam. And that's why it shoves you into the gospel or eternity. Because Jesus comes on the scene with the hope and says, I have the turnkey to turn this all around. Life and grace and righteousness and mercy will reign through me from here on out for those who come to me. Amen. I love uh, this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Morning and Evening verse, really great devotional. On October 14th, he says this. Even small inconsistencies are dangerous. Little thorns make great blisters and little moths destroy fine garments. Little frivolities and little rogueries will rob religion of a thousand joys. It cuts the tendons of your strength. It makes you creep where you ought to run. Then for your own comfort's sake and for the sake of your growth and grace, if you be Christian, be Christian and be a marked and distinct one. No compromise. He's saying, actually, as we go into, as rooted in kinda, chapter 10 rooted in that end, he's saying, kind of, yes, I agree with you, message of Proverbs. Wisdom is better than folly. He agrees. There's that clear doctrine of two ways. Way of wisdom, way of fools. The righteous and the wicked. Yes, that is true. And yes, wisdom is superior. Wisdom is better. Yet, he's the one to bring the yet. It doesn't mean that life will turn out as you expect. And it doesn't mean you will be rewarded for your choosing wisdom in this age. Choose wisdom in this age, it is superior. It doesn't mean things will go easier or better all the time. It doesn't mean you'll be rewarded in this age. Um, Chapter 10, verse 1, very useful verse. Dead flies make the perfume bottle give off a stench so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor that's been used by the holy spirit with me before it's a very good one to ponder imagery is very powerful especially in the old testament wisdom is as superior to folly as perfume is to dead flies that's a useful analogy from god's perspective he's saying which do you prefer which odor and fragrance would you like to be wearing today dead flies anybody (laughs) no perfume please it's also so he's saying yes wisdom is superior as perfume is to dead flies yet he brings the yet few dead flies in the perfume bottle can turn the whole thing to a stench in this age folly has the upper hand the power to defile is great in this age. Just one dead fly in my perfume bottle? And we want to lie to ourselves and say, it doesn't affect my perfume, it's just one fly. But isn't that useful? Ugh. <laughs> Get it in there, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Yeah, I think about purity and compromise, and we think about, he's like, the salt that loses its savor is actually worthless, not good to be trampled underfoot by men. That's what it's good for. You know, it's like there, there isn't a lot in our age. When we talk about wis- whispered wisdom and shouted folly, one of the whispered wisdoms that nobody wants to shout is compromise, right? I think in our age... We're in an age that tolerates compromise to such a high degree that if you try to speak against compromise, there's a bit of a mocking contempt spirit that comes out, right? Wisdom is whispered, and it is not promoted and exalted in this age. It's useful to just shock me now. Tell me now. (laughs) I want to get this now. Because when you get the idea of men are snared in an evil age, it, you can either go with the current or you can consider what current is this push, world pushing me in. Ecclesiastes says, I don't want you to be able to say, I didn't know. <laughs> Praise the Lord for the awkward book of Ecclesiastes. So uh, chapter 10, verse two, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, a fool, a fool's heart inclines him to the left. He's saying the path of folly and wisdom are emphatically opposing. They're emphatically opposite directions. And if we think otherwise, (laughs) you say, and folly is the one that's exalted and promoted in this age. So it's the age that's promoting folly and downplaying wisdom is saying left, everybody left, left everybody. And the whispered wisdom is saying, right, opposite direction, turn course, turn course. We can't just go with the flow here. It doesn't work well. That's not using wisdom. And wisdom, it really elevates the idea of prudence, which is carefully contemplating and planning out your way. It's like, you know what, I have to go to a new place. I think I'll bring MapQuest with me. So I can find it, you know. It's like, well, oh, the prudence of bringing uh, a GPS. Oh, yay! <laughs> of course, that's very my generation, but never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it might be a physical map in the glove box. I don't know. Um, okay, so chapter. I, I want to look at. Move on to chapter ten, and ten through five um, is a really, really important section that actually focuses on our words, um, and it'll, it'll fit in I think you'll see the connection but verses 10 and 11 introduce the section focusing on the tongue and the words um, and they with two little word pictures it says if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge he must use more strength but wisdom helps one succeed if the serpent bites before it's charmed there's no advantage to the charmer and these introduce the section on the words of the fool or the words of the wise the tongue. Almost every wisdom literature focuses on the tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Even in the New Testament, James chapter 3, the whole thing's dedicated to the taming of the tongue or the evil. One of the most underestimated potentials for good or for ill is the tongue. So um, he's saying Actually, Abraham Lincoln has an amazing quote. You may have heard this one before. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. <laughs> he has wisdom. He's going to sharpen the axe. It's going to make it easier for him. So we, we're saying, using wisdom will sharpen your edge. Using wisdom will sharpen your edge. Play on words there. Using wisdom with your tongue will Sharpen your edge. You're using wisdom with your time will sharpen your edge. It, will gi- it is superior. It will give you better results and help your outcome in, in some way. And the serpent one, charm the serpent quickly. Otherwise, it won't be to your advantage. It'll be to your disadvantage at risk of being bit by it. Tame this thing quickly. Use this, learn to use this thing quickly. Um, both Ecclesiastes Proverbs and these other ones talk about the fools are just multiplied words, but the wise, they let their words be few and they're guarded. I think James does a really good job and I just wanna promote it to you sometime If, if this week if you wanna just visit that. So many valuable analogies. Um, it says, like a bit and bridle makes the horse obey us, guiding the horse's body wherever we wanna go. That's like the tongue. Like the horse's bit and bridle, can move the horse wherever you want, guide the whole body. That's how powerful your tongue is. Like a ship's rudder, tiny little rudder moves the whole ship in the way you want it to go. This thing. Small, just a little small fire. Little small, it says, this little member boasts of great things. Tiny little fire can set a whole forest ablaze. Every beast has been tamed by man, but no human can tame the tongue. We need the Holy Spirit to tame the tongue. We need the word of God to tame the tongue. A restless evil full of deadly poison. Salt water and fresh water coming from the same well, the same spring. Blessing and cursing coming from the same mouth. This ought not be. Very, very valuable. He's saying like, like a bitten bridle, like a ship's rudder, like sharpening your axe, like like charming that serpent quickly, you can either, this thing can work for you or against you. This thing can work for you or against you. This thing has great power to defile. He's saying, and he actually says that uh, it has great power to defile. It also has great power to bless It is power to bring life. God created the world with his words. He speaks blessing over us. He says, be healed in Jesus' name. Words are powerful, but we don't don't even take it into account and learn how to master this thing with the help of the Lord. Very valuable. So he's kind of saying, wisdom does teach you to use your tongue or use your time to your advantage, and that is... Wisdom is superior, but even if you do, the words of the wise might be despised. The words of the wise might be forgotten. Your reward may not be in this age. It's very good then that Jesus comes on the scene and he talks about eternal rewards. Every cup of cold water that you give will be rewarded by my Father in heaven. There's not probably enough airtime given to the truth of scripture of there are such things called eternal rewards. The Lord will reward us. Every yes today is seen and valued by him. Nothing is forgotten to God. Nothing is forgotten. He remembers everything you do. He's going to reward each one of you according to your deeds. That is a hopeful thought. There's also a dangerously scary verse that Jesus says, every man will give account for every careless word they say. Ugh. Oh, Lord. It's true. So cycling back, kind of enclosure here. Time really is in God's hands. We think about uh, Job. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? Have you caused the dawn to know its place? Or Psalms. My times are in your hands, O oh God. My times and seasons. Or in Daniel. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes them. The Lord does call us in relationship with him to discern our time. Man, apart from God, cannot know his time. But man, in relationship with God, Jesus rebuked them for not discerning the signs of the times. We can, with God, discern the time. And he says the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs in John, job description of the Holy Spirit, to tell you of things to come. When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit, will you tell me of things to come? I I don't see... I can't see my future like you do, Lord. Will you tell me of things to come? That was the verse that the Lord highlighted to me. He says, Shannon, I need you to pray this. Ask me of things to come. And this was last summer, and I spent a few months. Okay, tell me of things to come, Lord. You're right. My future's a blank slate. I see nothing. I have no idea what. What? Tell me of things to come. Within a couple of months, bam, new calling, Navy chaplaincy, loudly affirmed and totally unexpected to me. I did not see that coming but very clearly from him. So uh, a good one, if you're a note taker just on um, discerning the signs of the times, uh, one would be a good one to look at is um, 1 Thessalonians 5. Concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you don't have need for me to write to you. And he's talking, there's good w- verses in the New Testament about, about these God does call us to discern the, times of the the signs of the times. I really like this one. You have no need for me to write anything to you. You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It will come upon them unexpectedly. While people are saying peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. There's more there. There it is. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. <gasps> what? Does it just come upon all of us like a thief? No, you're not in darkness for it to surprise you like a thief. The woman knows when she's pregnant. We know the season. We may not know the day or hour, but we know the season. We are not of the night anymore, of the darkness. Let us not sleep as others do. Let us keep awake and be sober. Jesus said that it it was like as in the days of Noah. They're all just going about their day. But did Noah know that the flood was coming? Yes, because he's in relationship with God. Noah knew. The others were not tuned in. So we are called to discern the times. We do need to lean into the Lord for that. We need his wisdom and revelation. The last thing in closure is that we are called to redeem time according to Ephesians 5. Just close with that verse. Um, Wherefore he says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, which means exactly, precisely, give your full attention to this. Walk as the wise, discerning what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Redeem the time, for the days are evil. So if the days are evil and we're called to redeem time, redeeming time, it means make the most of time. Take advantage of every opportunity. Make the best use of your time. How are you spending your time? So we think uh, in closing, I think, Lord, what are the things I want to pray uh, I ask you to give us discernment and understanding about the time that we're living in. I ask you to help me to spend time well. How am I using time? We are in a age where we always feel busy, 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 and we really need to consider about dialing back from the hectic and the race and the chasing after the wind. And we need to consider, Lord. Holy Spirit, show me what day are we living in. Show me about the time that we're living in. Give me understanding and revelation. The Lord showed John the Baptist that he would be meeting the Messiah. The Lord showed Simeon that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. The Lord showed Anna that the consolation of Israel was at hand the Lord does show his people the times and the seasons and he does give us wisdom how to use our time and use our words wisdom is to our advantage but know that your reward will be greater in the next stage than this one the world will not recognize you for it but Jesus will
0: man thank you so much Shannon can we just thank Shannon for speaking to us This morning, challenging us. Um, Man, I'm just excited to see what what God does in this next chapter of your life. Um, But yeah, personally challenged to uh, walk in wisdom. And how easy is it for us to think we're doing okay and then all of a sudden just get off track? Like the smallest thing can get us off. So let's let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, God, for uh, the message that we received this morning. Ecclesiastes 10. God. Um, Lord, we pray Father for a pure heart. We pray God that you would give us a heart that desires you. A heart that chases after you. That makes you our priority and our focus God. Not that we would have a little but that we would have the whole thing God. Lord I pray that as we uh, leave this, week, leave today God as we worship you that you would meet us God. That you would uh, show yours to us in our week God. Lord show us the, the areas in our life where where we have let things creep in, where we have gotten off track, God, and help us to right the ship. Um, Lord, we thank you so much for, uh, for for the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, that you work out all these things. You don't just leave it up to us to figure out, but you walk with us in every step of the journey, and we love you and thank you in Jesus' name.